Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 70, Prince Elias had a proposal for Lumen. In this episode, Chapter 71, the royal teens make a noble getaway, and Odax has a request for his father. Alright, let's dive in. It was unusual. All of the kids were away from the palace. Odak said he would be at Lillian's. Lumen and Tanner said they would be hunting. Zayraid was supposed to be at a violin workshop in the city. Nevali was the only one at home, studying in her room. The problem was, it was getting dark. When Seb asked Nocte to check in with Ryan's dragon and make sure the regent prince was safe at Lillian's, the dragon replied that Odax wasn't there. In fact, neither was Lillian. Ryan flew over to the palace immediately. They requested different guards today, Kyle said. He wanted Ren to have a day off. Sebastian, Ryan, Vivin, and Kyle were in the regent's study. Ryan spoke next. Lily told me she was here, having dinner, and she wouldn't be home until late. Vice versa for Odie. Seb reached into his pocket to rub the golden pocket watch, but it wasn't there. And Tan and Lulu should have been back by now. They know they aren't allowed to stay in the forest after dusk. So where are they all? Vivin rocked back and forth on his heels. What, do you think they're all together somewhere? Ryan questioned in surprise. Vivin nodded. They're teenagers. I would guess they're somewhere in the city. A look of alarm crossed Kyle's face and Seb interpreted. Meaning Zay probably ditched his guards and they're with the general public. This isn't good. Ryan mumbled. We need to locate them immediately, without causing a panic. We should send the guards discreetly. Settle down, Kai, Seb grinned. We're their parents. We'll find them. And a swarm of guards will cause panic. Kyle's ears twitched and he gripped the hilt of his saber anxiously. If Philly realizes what's happened, we aren't going to let the womenfolk figure it out. Come on. Ryan strode for the door. Vivin watched the fathers with amusement. It was a serious matter. Three regents and the crown prince, possibly unguarded, running through the streets of Imperior. But they were teenagers. It was bound to happen. They bumped into Arthur before reaching the grand marble staircase. Where's the fire? he asked. Ryan quietly told him the predicament, and the retired mercenary shrugged. You should ask Navali. She'll know where they are. He grinned as the fathers exchanged looks. Or did you plan on searching every inch of the city yourselves? Nivali peered over her book as her door swung open. Four men and an elf stood in the hall. She smirked. Can I help you all? Do you know where they are? Her father asked, straight to the point. Nivali's right ear twitched. Where are who? Nivi. He started in a cross tone, but a raised eyebrow made him rephrase. Can you please tell us? They asked me not to tell you. She turned the page of her book. She hadn't budged from her spot on her bed. 
I can only imagine how badly you're itching to know where they are. I have a lot of power here, you know. Seb had a smile. Kyle was becoming frustrated, and Navali was playing with him. They are most likely without guards, meaning they are in potential danger. Oh, I can guarantee you they lost their guards, she replied. Then you'll tell us. Navali scribbled something behind her book. She walked over and handed her father a scrap of parchment. Yes, but only because you'll send out an army to search for them. Don't tell them I told you. And with that, the studious princess closed her bedroom door, leaving them with an address on the scrap of paper. Arthur tagged along for extra security. He also happened to know the location of the pub written on the slip of paper, of course. They wore their hoods and dark cloaks to conceal their identity. They didn't want to cause a fuss when wrangling the teens. Even from down the street, they could hear the music coming from the pub. Rain kept the windows closed or only slightly ajar. Art glanced through the panes as they strode past and muttered under his breath, Great, it's packed. A burly man stood under the awning just outside the door. As they approached, he said, Extra cover charge tonight, mates. Without stopping, Seb dropped a handful of gold into the man's hands and pushed open the door. Wait, this is too much. It was packed to the walls. As the royal troop filed in, they weren't even noticed. Their cloaks made them blend in with everyone else jammed into the tavern. Seb immediately looked through the crowd, trying to locate a familiar face. Art grabbed his arm. Come back over here. There's a better view. Just aside the door, the others were standing on small shipping crates. They were staring over the sea of people to the front of the tavern. It only took Seb a moment to understand why. Odax was at the piano, and Zayraid was on the fiddle. Seb cursed under his breath. Vivin, who was to his right, laughed. The boys were playing a jig, and Lillian accompanied them on flute. Tanner was near the piano, tuning his guitar. Those lucky enough to have a seat slammed their flagons and pints against the tables to the rhythm. Seb couldn't believe what he was seeing. At one of the tables nearest the front sat a pair of off-duty guards from the palace. They had their swords on them, but they also had pints. It must have been an instrumental interlude, because Odax started to sing. So many people from the crowd joined him that it was difficult to hear him. It was a classic pub song, one Seb himself had sung to the kids to amuse them. If Fauna knew that they were singing it, if she knew they were there, they were old enough but the only guards on hand were drinking. What if someone from the crowd was against the Michaelis or Aller bloodlines? It would be so easy. Where's Lou? Seb said suddenly. Vivin shook his head. Haven't spotted her yet. I doubt she's here. Of course it wouldn't be so simple. One of the children had to be apart from the rest. He didn't know what to do. Vivin leaned to Art on his right, then to his left. Kyle wants to know if you'll be stopping them. Odax played with one hand while he quickly raked his other through his sweaty brown hair. Zayraid was far more animated playing fiddle than violin. He truly enjoyed it, moving to the music. No, not yet. Tanner and Zayraid began another song while Odax and Lillian took a break. The regent prince went over to the nearest table and shook hands with the people sitting there. 
Seb reflexively gripped the hilt of his dagger under his cloak. Vivin nudged him. Odax didn't need saving. He was smiling and laughing with the patrons as he made his rounds. He did it so naturally, so effortlessly. If he couldn't hear what someone said, he'd step in or lean in closer. Trusting, confident body language. Seb frowned. What were the kids doing there in the first place? They seemed awfully comfortable with the whole scenario. Odax jogged back to the piano, pints in hand as the song ended. I think you might all know this one. He ran a hand through his sweaty hair, took a sip from the pint, and set it on top of the piano before signaling the others. Everyone in the tavern knew the song as soon as the first notes played. It was a rather inappropriate ballad. Where's Lumen? A man at the front shouted. Seb stared at him in shock. A few others shouted in agreement, and the father's stomach twisted. Why were they calling her name? Odax simply smiled and began the first verse. No one joined him. The song was far more enjoyable if the lyrics were properly heard. His voice was young and powerful, and well-trained. Some of that training was lost due to alcohol and the lively tavern atmosphere, but it was still evident. The patrons joined him at the course, off-key and raucous. The front door opened, and the person who walked in grumbled. Damn it, I'm so late. Theo? Seb turned to him in surprise. Theodore Bine stared at his brother-in-law in shock. What are you doing here? People were glancing over their shoulders at them. Sebastian grabbed him and hauled him over. I could ask you the same. Theo leaned forward and waved down the line at the familiar faces. Theo, did you know they were playing here? Seb narrowed his eyes. The second verse was set to begin when the door to the back room flew open and in rushed Lumen. There wasn't enough time for Seb to give a reaction because she began to sing. And grades above could she belt out the tune. He didn't want to hear any of the kids sing that song, but least of all her. She was too young for it. But she owned it. The patrons were stomping their feet and banging their flagons on the tables, and her voice lifted above it all. She and Odak sang together at the chorus, in natural harmony. Theo, Seb growled anxiously. Why are my kids here? Why do you know they're here? Theo looked slightly embarrassed. Seb, they'll explain everything. I meant to be here the entire time to keep an eye on them, but the girls were being fussy before bed. Seb wanted to snap, what could you do? But he held his tongue. The teens appeared safe, for now and they were enjoying themselves. Lumen wasn't old enough to be in the tavern, which upset Seb more than he thought it would. However, the reality was that she wasn't a little girl anymore. She was nearly 15 years old, and she was gorgeous. Her confidence made her all the more radiant. Sebastian glanced down the line at his friends. Ryan's arms were folded across his chest. He seemed to be feeling the same way Seb was. Art lit a dart and tapped his foot to the beat. Kyle was scanning the room diligently. Vivin had been watching the performance, but he caught Seb's eye. You all right? Yeah. Seb looked away. Tanner and Odax began a tune together, and Lumen sang. It was a slower song, about harsh, Rhydonian winters. It was beautiful. She seldom sang around the palace, and it was never this refined. Sebastian couldn't take his eyes off of her. She had grown so much 
without him realizing. Odax joined in for the second refrain. It was eerily quiet in the packed tavern. Everyone wanted to hear the haunting duet, word for word. I bet you didn't know they could sing like that, Theo murmured. Seb knew Odax could. His son wasn't the type to be shy about his passions, and music was one of them. But Lumen was doing so well, he was almost willing to forgive her for being at the tavern. Someone stifled a laugh. It was near the end of the song, and the patrons were moving around and signaling for more mead and ale. Seb identified the man who chortled. He was obviously inebriated and talking to one of his mates. The man nodded at Lumen and made a lewd gesture. Seb felt sick. She was just a girl. His little girl. He glanced around and realized how intently the majority of the men stared at her. Were the same thoughts going through their heads? Seb rubbed his brow, feeling overwhelmed suddenly. He heard Vivin say his name quietly. Seb. He stepped off the crate and Theo jumped down in front of him. Where are you going? I'm leaving. Stay for one more song, please? Theo implored. A couple of people looked their way, and Seb turned his face to the windows. He had to make the decision. Stay and tolerate the licentious men present, or leave. But then, he wouldn't be there to protect her. He sighed and stepped <sighs> back onto the crate. Vivin patted his shoulder. He understood why Seb wanted to leave. A lively jig started with full instrumentation. Seb groaned and glared at Theo. His brother-in-law laughed. I'm pretty sure you taught them this one. Several patrons began to dance, and Lumen joined them as she sang. The crowd echoed back what she sang during the chorus. Kyle regarded Zerade with interest. The crown prince rarely did anything to upset his mother. He could even recall when Zay had wanted to play fiddle music, and his mother refused. He never played it around the palace. But here he was, off palace grounds, unguarded, playing the festive music. And he looked so happy to be doing it. He was tapping his foot, smiling, even echoing back what Lumen was singing. As soon as the jig ended, Odak stood and took a sip from his pint. He walked over to his sister and began a short speech. All right, we're more than halfway through the set now. So we'd like to reiterate our purpose for the evening. We're here playing music for you tonight to raise funds for our displaced countrymen. As you all know, the Treasury has been struggling with the demands of war. However, we feel that something must be done to aid those displaced by the Nin. Odax was fiddling with something in his pocket. Seb caught a flash of gold. That was where his pocket watch was. Lumen took over. Zerid was content to stand back and apply resin to his bow. This evening, your cover charge and half the proceeds from the bar will be going to these friendly folks. She gestured to one of the front tables. Three men and a woman waved, abashed. They will be distributing the funds amongst those who are most need in their community. So, if your pockets are feeling a little heavy, please consider donating, or drinking, more. Her smile was lethal, and the patrons cheered and whistled. Zayraid began a tune, and the music resumed. Seb knew Theo was looking at him, and he knew Vivin was trying not to look at him. He remained silent, 
the kids had gone through a great deal of trouble to organize it, and no doubt practice the songs. Somehow in secret, that was when he turned to Theo. How much of a hand did you have in this? Theo lit a thin cigar and shrugged. They might have mentioned wanting to help the displaced while they're at my house practicing. They're over every week, you know. I know. For quite a while, the teens had been going to visit Theo and Sadie on their own, and Fauna and Seb thought it was healthy for them to visit their family and socialize. But they couldn't have guessed this. Theo continued after a moment. And I may have mentioned that such an event would be occurring to my clientele, and I might have mentioned for them to pass the information along. Seb turned to him. You told strangers that the kids would be here. Theo shook his head instantly. No, of course not. I simply told them it was a fundraiser not worth missing. Theo took a drag and gave Seb a look of annoyance. I wouldn't put my niece and nephews in danger, Sebby. Give me credit. Sorry, Seb grumbled. Though he still wasn't thrilled about the situation, he was proud of the teens. It was interesting to see how they acted away from their home and parents. This was what the rest of the world saw. But aren't they incredible, Seb? Look at your kids! They have an entire tavern singing and dancing! Theo was tickled pink. Art wandered over and struck up a conversation with him. Seb, do you want a drink? Ryan offered. No thanks. I don't feel like it. Seb kept his gaze to the front of the room. Vivin leaned over. And to think, normal teenagers sneak out to smoke and drink. They played several lively songs in a row. Then there was a duet between the piano and flute. Odak sang solo. It was a romantic song, one about young love and how it would last forever. Seb knew it well. Fauna had been singing it to him since they were teens themselves. Odax knew the chords by heart, so he focused his gaze on Lillian. Every so often, she would glance at him and blush. Vivin nudged Seb and inclined his head to the table nearest the piano. Lumen was sweet-talking the men at the table, using the debonair smile she inherited from her mother and uncle. The men shrugged and passed her a pint. Seb was ready to charge across the tavern, but Vivin held him back. Lumen was mid-sip when Tanner came up behind her and lifted the pint over her head. At first, he held it out of her reach and smirked as she stood with her hands on her hips and demanded the drink back. He shook his head and drank the pint himself. Lumen audibly gasped and went to take it back, but he kept her at arm's length. It was a humorous contrast to the tender, slow song. Zaraid sipped his pint unbothered and spoke with the people who were collecting donations. Kyle was visibly uncomfortable with how close he was to the tavern patrons without guards present. The palace guards that had been sitting at the front ducked out a few songs back and hadn't returned. The song ended and Lillian went over to Odax. She sat on his lap and kissed him deeply. Ryan nearly choked on his drink. People whistled and teased lightly. The way Lillian gazed at her boyfriend, there was no doubt she loved him dearly. Ryan grumbled about needing another pint. Odax said something to Tanner, and the young man shook his head. The people nearby who heard all agreed with what Odax had said. Tanner flushed red and refused again. There was something sweet about the way the tall, broad young man was so shy. Lumen prodded him too. He hesitated, then picked up his guitar. Or his father's old guitar.
Sebastian often wondered if Tanner knew the truth about his father's death, or if he cared. Tanner began to finger-pick a tune. Lumen sat next to Zaraid on the table where the flute and violin rested. Lillian stayed on Odax's lap on the piano bench. Tanner was bright red. His family and friends knew how much he hated attention. Seb would have thought it cruel to force him to do it, but the teens were watching him with such great interest. Lo and behold, Tanner had a pleasant singing voice as well. It didn't have Odax's training or Lumen's power, but it was pleasing all the same. Tanner rarely played the guitar in front of anyone at Magnitectus, so his musical abilities were overall surprising. The best surprise was at the course. Tanner was still a bit nervous and stiff until Lumen joined him. She gave him an encouraging smile as she sang harmony. He wavered at first, but his confidence grew. The regent princess echoed back parts of the verses and again at the chorus. The harmony was so lovely that everyone was silent. It must have felt as though they were the only people in the room. It was a song about a blossoming love. The passion in Tanner's voice was almost heart-wrenching to those who knew him. Lumen was simply enjoying singing with him, and he felt so much more. They transitioned to a fast song once again as the patrons clapped and banged their flagons on the tables. Vivin slipped away for a moment to hit the head. The tavern bustled with dancing and singing, and when Vivin returned, Seb's spot along the wall was empty. Where'd he go? The others gave him a blank stare. Well, did anyone see where he went? He went past me, Art trailed off. And you didn't follow him? I don't mother him like you do, Arthur retorted, breathing smoke from his nose. Vivin lowered his voice. He's your king. He's the responsibility of every guard in this room. Vivin stormed out of the tavern and Art sighed. <sighs> the streets were empty, except for a couple of stumbling drunkards. Vivin tried asking Kaylee if she knew where Nocte was, but she didn't know. He asked her to do a sweep of the city and to try communicating with the Black Opal Dragon. Vivin jogged down alleys and cursed Seb under his breath. Nocte just dropped him off a street away from the tavern, Vivin. The head guard dashed back to the establishment, slowing down before he approached the door. He didn't want to appear suspicious. When he entered the tavern, Art said, Found him, and nodded through the crowd. The Regent King was speaking with one of the donation collectors who was making his final round. Sebastian had a black kerchief over the bottom half of his face, disguising him well. The donation collector looked baffled. Seb clasped his shoulder and left him in bewilderment. Don't scowl at me like that, Sebastian grumbled as he approached the wall, pulling down the kerchief. You can't take off like that, Vivin growled quietly. For Cayenne's sake, Seb, we were just pissed at your kids for doing nearly the same thing. I'm alright, aren't I? Seb replied with an aloof gaze. He turned to Theo before Vivin could berate him. How much longer is the set? Do you know? Four or so songs left, maybe. We'll leave when there's two left. Ryan and Kyle both stared at him in surprise, and Ryan asked, We're not staying till the end? Seb shook his head. I don't want them to know we were here. But... Ryan trailed off. Kyle spoke. 
Now that I have located Zay, I cannot leave him unattended. The kids will benefit more if they think they got away with tonight. Believe me. Kyle narrowed his eyes. I cannot leave my son. His ear twitched. My prince, unguarded. However, I will make myself inconspicuous, if you wish. Ryan rubbed the back of his neck. I should really get home and let Laura know that Lily's alright. It must be getting late. He checked his watch and balked. It's nearly midnight. I have to go. Theo and Kyle remained after the others had left. The elf sat at a corner table and bowed his head. He purchased a pint so the staff would let him be. Fauna and Princess Felicita were both pacing in the dining hall. Seb entered through the garden doors, and they rushed over, firing questions at him. Seb glanced behind them at Ren, who had been guarding them. Even the elf couldn't hide his concern about the well-being of the royal ewes. Seb, focus! Fauna implored. Are they all right? They were fundraising, Seb said flatly. The women stared at him, mystified. Art shared a look with Vivin, who shrugged. The regent explained the situation, and Fauna's face clouded over. They put themselves in unnecessary danger. I'm overjoyed that they were volunteering their time for such an important cause, but they still have to be reprimanded. Felicita nodded in agreement, and Seb ran a hand through his hair. I agree with you, but I think it's best that we pretend we didn't know what was going on. Let them have this moment. Be normal kids. Normal, Fauna echoed. None of the kids have ever been normal. Right, so let them have this, please. Fauna knew she shouldn't have made eye contact with his soulful honey brown eyes, because she begrudgingly agreed. They'll have to concoct some impressive lies for me to let this slide. Tan and Lou were supposed to be hunting. It's after midnight for Cayenne's sake. No one spoke about the thought lingering in the back of each of their minds. The other reason why it was so dangerous for the teenagers to be away from the palace. Malum's threat of war grew nearer each day. It was expected within a month that the battle would begin. Seb worked in his study for a while afterward. It was late, but there was too much on his mind to sleep. He walked down the dimly lit corridors with Chirp perched on his shoulder. He would check that the kids were safely in bed, then try to rest. He caught Lumen tiptoeing to her chambers. Lou? She froze as her father asked, Why are you up? Though he knew perfectly well, she was only just returning from the tavern. I, um, couldn't sleep. I went for a walk. Seb approached her, hands in his pockets. Chirp blinked at the girl with interest. We missed you and Tan at dinner. Nocte was able to find Sable, and she said everything was alright, if you were wondering why we didn't come to check on you. There was barely more than a flicker of emotion across her face. I'm glad you trust us enough to stay out late. Sebastian ignored the pungent scent of the tavern that clung to her clothes. Of course. Why wouldn't I trust you? He asked, hoping she would feel somewhat guilty but her response was a simple, aloof shrug. 
he truly hadn't realized how much she had grown until that evening. She was a young woman. She was beautiful and talented and fearless. Lulu, do me a favor. Sure, Dad. Don't grow up too fast. He pulled her in and hugged her tight. Chirp stood across his shoulders, unwilling to hop down during the tender moment. Um, sure, I guess. Lumen mumbled into his chest. Her ringed blue eyes gazed up at her father in slight confusion as she stepped back. Night, Dad. Night, Lulu. He watched her disappear into her room. Chirp tented his wings and flicked his tongue as he settled on the Great Tamer's shoulders again. My kids are outgrowing me, the regent said with a sigh. The regent king and queen held a public audience together. What was once a weekly occurrence became a rarity. Zayraid sat in occasionally when Seb was unable to attend. This time, the ornate wooden thrones were occupied by both regents. The majority of people had claims of poverty due to Nen raids. There was little that could be done for them. However, one young man approached the throne with a different demeanor. He looked to be in his early twenties with straw blonde hair. His outfit was rather plain, but it wasn't as worn as those who came before him. He wrung a hat in his hands before he cleared his throat. <clears throat> Good day, your majesties. Good day, how are you? Seb asked politely. The young man's eyes lit up. I'm well, sir. Thank you. Actually, it really is thanks to you. Seb and Fauna shared a glance, and the young man continued. I know you don't remember me, but years ago, my hometown was besieged by bandits. My mother was attacked and stabbed, and you ran after the bandits who did it, and your team members gave my mother aid. Sebastian's acute memory recalled, You're... you're that little boy from the alley. Vivin and Alice now remembered as well. The child had been in tears at the time, since his mother had been ruthlessly attacked by the marauders. Yes, sir, I am. I just wanted to say thank you in person for what you did. My mother passed away a few years ago, and I haven't had the courage to come sooner. He smiled sheepishly and scratched the back of his head. Seb leaned forward on his throne. I'm deeply sorry to hear that. What do you do now? The young man lifted his head proudly. I joined the infantry regiment of the King's Army to serve you, sir. It's my fifth year in service. With this battle upcoming, I didn't know if I'd see the end of it or not. I wanted to say thank you, while I have the chance. Seb was stunned. He fumbled for a response. I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything, your highness. He smiled and dipped his head respectfully. Just wanted you to know that I'm grateful. He went to leave, and Seb called out, You should join the palace guard. The young man turned and blinked at him in shock. They're levels above me, sir. Everyone starts somewhere. Ensure that you return from battle so that you can apply. We'll be waiting. The young man flushed red, and Fauna regarded her husband with admiration. She hadn't heard much about the attack on Boft. Sebastian was rather quiet about that aspect of his life. He would tell Fauna stories if she asked, but he rarely boasted. The public audience ended early that day 
because a courier had an important message for them. It was from the reconnaissance crew. Malum and his army were on the move. Though the news came slightly earlier than expected, they were prepared. Weapons and armor had been forged, and extra supplies from Romofsi shipped in advance. The king's army was notified. Once the Nin were within a day's march of Imperior, the army would set out. The terrain was such that they couldn't meet them sooner. The Nin were traveling from the west, which was heavily forested. When Corposus was leading the enemy, they were stationed at the Dere Mountains. Meeting them on the Cerulus Plains was an easy task. The citizens of Imperior were given the order to begin evacuation. It was estimated that the Nin would arrive in two weeks' time. That gave the citizens enough time to travel north or south to safety. East of the Atran River was rather bare, aside from vast farmland. There was nowhere to seek shelter in that direction, nowhere to hide. Magnitectus was on tentative orders to evacuate as well. It was something the adults had discussed well beforehand. The Romofsian elves had arrived according to the predetermined schedule. Thankfully, they had a week and a half before the assault. Any cayenne that could be spared also began flying in. Abandoned houses provided lodging for the visiting sorrows and dragon tamers. Lord Orel greeted his family warmly. However, once the pleasantries were out of the way, he spoke of the matter at hand. Feli and Nevali, you should begin your journey to Romofsi immediately. Princess Felista bowed her head, and Nevali narrowed her eyes. What do you mean? Her grandfather turned to her in surprise. The royal families had assembled in the common room to greet him properly. You and your mother must fly east. Romofsi is the safest place for you until the war is over. Nevali folded her arms across her chest and crossed one leg over the other. She was sitting on a settee next to her brother. I refuse to leave. It is not up for discussion, her grandfather replied flatly. Nevali's ear twitched. You've brought fifty highly trained sorrows across the sea to fight for Rhydon. I am a sorrow, and I was raised here. I have far more reason to fight than they do. You want to fight? Her tia echoed in shock. Nevali glanced at Kael and inclined her head. I am trained in combat and healing. I would be an asset. You will not enter battle. You are the sole heiress of the Romofsian throne. Lord Oral said coldly. That isn't my fault, is it? The others in the room knew she struck a chord, and felt awkward instantaneously. Her parents both flushed, and the Romofsian king pressed his lips firmly together. Zerid put a hand on his sister's shoulder to talk her out of it. She shrugged him off and stood. I will not leave unless forced, and Leif will have something to say about that. Lord Orel gazed expectantly at Seb, who had been flipping his pocket watch open and closed mutedly. Seb didn't even look his way, as he said indifferently, Leave me out of it. He paused and took his wife's hand, placing it on his lap. Her too. Lord Orel suppressed a sigh. Perhaps we should discuss this in private. Hold up, Lumen interrupted suddenly. She stared hard at her parents. You aren't expecting me to go with Mom. Are you? Sebastian shot her an annoyed frown. You're 14 years old, Lou. You're not staying to fight. Lumen jumped to her feet. That's not fair. 
Well, if it makes you feel any better, your brothers are going with you. Excuse me? Odax echoed. You heard me. Odax glowered. I've been training my ass off to join the battle. Seb replied coolly. Too bad. There was an eruption of hostile remarks. Odax and Lumen yelled at their father, and the valley protested. If they stay, I stay. Kyle growled back that it wasn't her decision to make. Tanner looked terribly uncomfortable as he sat next to Zayraid, who was also silent. The great tamer stood suddenly, silencing those speaking. He gave off a foreboding aura and said firmly, Either you two listen to me, or your dragons will. He shoved his hands in his pockets and stalked out of the room. His children stared at his back in stunned silence as he walked away. Then, Odax's jaw tensed and he grabbed his sister's hand. Come on. The others heard Odax shout, Dad! Angrily. Alice regarded her partner sympathetically. She wouldn't want to either. However, she murmured, Fivin. I know. He reluctantly followed his feuding family members. Fauna pursed her lips and gazed across the coffee table at Tanner. You want to join the battle too, don't you? The young man hesitated. Yes. He added softly, but I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Dad! Odak shouted. Talk to us about this. Lumen practically had to jog to keep up with the long strides of her brother and father. Seb snapped over his shoulder. There isn't anything to discuss. You're leaving at the end of the week. Odax released his sister's hand and strode to catch up to his father. I'm old enough that you can't make that decision for me. I choose to stay and fight. Seb refused to answer him. Palace guards did their best to ignore the argument. Dad! Odax finally shouted in frustration. Only cowards run away from their problems. Seb stopped on a dime, turned, and hauled on his son's collar. He had never once been rough with any of his children. It surprised Odax so badly that he flinched. Seb was still a head taller than his son, and Odax lamented being stared down at by the cold fury in his father's eyes. Sebastian released him and muttered, You're both still children. Do yourselves a favor and stop convincing yourselves otherwise. He strode off, leaving Odax and Lumen in a state of shock. Vivin approached them slowly and regarded them without a word. The Great Tamer sat behind his bureau, thumbing his lip. He left a window open, and a cool breeze swept through the study. Chirp lounged on the solid mahogany bureau, swishing his tail over the side. Vivin entered the room and closed the door quietly. He ran a hand through his silver hair. That didn't go well. The Regent King brooded, folding his muscular arms across his chest. He was silent. Vivin noticed that the young man had been growing withdrawn over the past few weeks. He was keeping to himself more, smiling less. Perhaps we should talk about it. There's nothing to talk about, Seb murmured, 
He eyed Vivin, perplexed. I expected a little retaliation, but that... He shook his head. Vivin rubbed his stubble. He had celebrated his 60th birthday a couple of months ago. Aside from his silver hair and a few more wrinkles, he was still unquestionably strong and capable of the demanding job. Vivin sighed and walked over to the fireplace mantle. There was a small, wooden dragon figurine that Tanner had carved when he was younger. They're your kids. What did you expect? No sooner did he say that than a familiar knock rang out from the door. Odak stepped inside. The older men regarded him levelly. They weren't expecting him so soon after the dispute. Odax walked over to his father's desk and stood near his chair. Sebastian gazed at him coolly. They maintained eye contact for a moment. Then Odax lowered himself to his knees. I'll beg if I have to. The older men were rendered speechless. Odax kept his head bowed, waiting for the silence to break. Vivin silently slipped out of the room. Odax lifted his warm, honey-brown eyes to his father. Please, let me fight. See me as a soldier and a tamer and nothing more. Seb searched his son's eyes, his intelligent, handsome boy. Faded freckles dotted the bridge of his nose. Fauna's freckles. Odie. Seb sat forward in his chair, bracing his forearms on his thighs. Why do you want to fight so badly? Zay has to fight in this battle. He has no choice. I'm training to be his head guard. I should be at his side. You're training, and you're still a child. I'm not. Odax's anger flashed for a moment, and he quickly controlled himself. I'm nearly 17 years old, the same age you were when you led the king's army in Cayenne. I was like Zay. I had no choice in the matter. So you wouldn't have fought? You would have sat at home while the rest of the Oren were on the battlefield, giving their lives? Sebastian sat back in his chair. Odax didn't budge. Chirp padded across the bureau to Seb and rubbed his scaled cheek against the human's arm. Seb placed a hand on the dragon's head and murmured, When I was your age, I didn't have a father telling me not to fight. He could see the instant turmoil in his son's eyes and mumbled, Your grandpa didn't count. He also knew I had no choice in the matter. Once Prince Leo made his decision to leave Imperior secretly, Grandpa never would have told me not to fight, even if he didn't want me to. Seb leaned forward and caressed his son's soft cheek and held his gaze fixedly. But I'm here, right now, and I'm telling you that I don't want you in this battle. You don't need to fight, Odax. The young man searched his father's eyes and said softly, but firmly, But what if I want to? Sebastian withdrew his hand and Odax rose to his feet with a sigh. Chirp walked to the edge of the bureau and nudged the teen's hand. Odax scratched the pygmy dragon's scaly chin before heading toward the door. I'll think about it, Seb said as Odax gripped the door handle. The young man left the room and Chirp hopped onto the Great Tamer's lap.
Thanks for listening to Chapter 71 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. With less than 10 episodes to go, we've had quite the journey. Thank you for being here. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews help more people find the podcast, so it's a huge help. And if you're able to give a DTF an extra hand, please check out the merch and support tabs on the website. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons.